0: What's up? What's happening? Welcome here to Where in the Sports World. I'm Travis Seldridge. We've got another terrific guest this week. Former Louisville guard, current Alba Berlin standout, Peyton Siva. Siva coming off winning a title in Germany last season with Berlin in Basketball Bundesliga. That, of course, the top level of basketball in Germany. Of course, that wasn't his first championship in his hoops career. He won two straight Big East titles at Louisville and then a national championship To finish off his college career with the Cardinals is about as good as it gets. We'll talk about winning that national title, playing for then-Louisville head coach Rick Pitino, his journey, how he got to Europe and playing in Germany, and we'll also ask him what's next in his career. Could he stay with Alba Berlin long-term? We talk about all of that and more right now in this episode. Peyton Siva joining me now. Peyton, tell the people, where in the sports world are you right
1: now? Hey, how's it going? Uh, right now, I'm currently in Berlin, Germany, um, playing for Alba Berlin out here in the uh, Bundesliga and EuroLeague.
0: Hey, you've been in Berlin here for a little while in terms of your playing career. What is it that's drawn you to playing there and, and obviously a great opportunity for a really, really successful organization?
1: Well, yeah, for one, like you said, it's, it's a very successful organization here. They're you know very professional um you know great city great place to live uh, and uh you know it's it's a great team so i really enjoy it i've been enjoying it playing here for this is my fifth season going on my fifth season here and you know right now we're playing in the the best competition in the you know in Europe uh, second best league in the world as far as euro league goes so um it's fun man i'm having a blast um playing basketball for a living and it's uh, it's great I wonder as somebody – because the, the EuroLeague thing is very soccer in
0: terms of – like you, you don't have that when, when you're here in the United States, whether it's college or, or playing in the NBA. You don't have these different leagues you're juggling. As a player, what's it like to go back and forth from knowing what's at stake when you play your regular season in Germany and then knowing what's at stake when you, you play in the EuroLeague and balancing those two leagues at the same time?
1: Uh, it's interesting because, you know, for one, EuroLeague is obviously – you know, the tougher league, but also you have to take care of business in your domestic league also, which is the Bundesliga. So, you know, it's it's tough sometimes going back and forth, um, you know, but you have to take care of business because you can play two Euro league games in a week and then play your uh, Bundesliga game right after that. So you have to make sure you kind of balance out the, balance it all out and try to win every game as possible. But, you know, in EuroLeague, we're we're trying to compete and we're trying to stay afloat. But in our Bundesliga, we feel like we should be in the first three spots. So that's our goal in that league. And, and the other league is trying to try to, you know, get a winning record and trying to get to the playoffs.
0: What what's the fan base like? Because obviously soccer in Europe is king. Like I don't think there's anything like soccer in Europe. Even here in the U.S., I mean, maybe football is the closest thing you can you can equate it to it. But you played in front of a passionate fans at Louisville. So like, where where's the fan ba- What's the fan base like for Berlin?
1: They're great fans. Um, very passionate about their their team. Um, you know, very loyal fans. They're awesome. Like you said, you know, in Europe, obviously soccer is king, but you know, for in Germany, they really love their basketball, and in Berlin, especially, they really love their their team. So um, I'm enjoying it. Um, the fans show a lot of love, so I I'm appreciative of it.
0: So walk us through your journey to Germany and and to internationally, because you start off, you get drafted in the second round, and you you, you get a little time with the Pistons before kind of going back and forth to the G League. What was it originally that drew you to playing overseas, and and what's that whole process like to to getting to that point?
1: Yeah, so I I started, like you said, I got drafted in the second round to Detroit, uh, played a little bit there, ended up the following season playing down in the the D League at the time with the Erie Bayhawks, you know, wanted to transition, uh, you know, still could have fought to try to make it to the NBA, but At this point, I just had a daughter, um, you know, so I had to make some money. And, you know, Europe was the best option for me. So I decided to take a contract in Italy, where I went to Caserta, Italy. It's near Naples. And from there, um, you know, it was just a decision to, you know, try to make as much money as I could, hopefully try to go over there and play well to one day get back to the NBA. But as I found out when I came to Italy – went to Italy and then came to Berlin – You know, you can make a really good living playing basketball in Europe. So for me, it was just about being able to support my family um, and being able to play, you know, this game around the world. And it's, um, you know, it's taking me to new places and I'm really enjoying it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I say to everybody that we talk to who's living in Europe, it's like, I think every American at some point goes, man, it'd be really cool to spend some time in Europe. And you guys are all like, you're living it. You're living in Germany or Italy. It's got to be a cool, unique experience.
1: It's very, uh, you know, from a kid from Seattle, I never thought I would make it, you know, around the world or around to Europe. So uh, it's very cool, uh, very eye opening to just see different cultures, uh, different countries and get to experience it all. So uh, I'm very thankful for it and um, I'm blessed to be able to do it. You watch a lot of
0: players over there go from league to league, country to country, like one-year contract to one-year contract. But you've kind of found a little bit of a home there in Berlin. What has it been about either the opportunity or the chances you've had there, the the team that's made you kind of want to stay there?
1: I'm very lucky. Uh, Like you said, a lot of people who do come to Europe usually have a lot of one-year contracts where they bounce from team to team to team. I've been very fortunate to, you know, stay on one team uh, these last couple of years and um, really just kind of, you know, settle down in this one place. And, you know, it's like I said, I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, not a lot of people can say they have. And, you know, it's just a testament to, you know, the trust that the team has in myself and the way that they carry themselves professionally. That just makes me want to stay.
0: Uh, I know this is uh, kind of a big year in terms of contract for you. Is it like long-term? Is it Germany? Like, are you comfortable there? Are there other leagues that you you think about and want to go to? Like, what is your criteria when you look at where you want to be in the next couple of years of your career?
1: Me personally, I view it as where will my family be most comfortable at? Um, You know, I have two daughters, um, my wife, and, you know, we just try to, pick a place where we'll be comfortable at. Um, and recently, it's just been Germany. Um, you know, what helps a lot is here in Germany, especially in Berlin, everyone speaks English for the most part. So it helps out a lot being over here in Europe. And, you know, we're able to go shopping. We're able to, you know, do our daily lives comfortably. Um, you know, some leagues that I would love to play in, uh, Spain, towards the end of my career, I would uh, love to play in the Australian League. Um, It seems like a very, you know, fun league, especially, you know, I have some family in that that area. And, um, you know, those are a couple of leagues that, you know, just kind of stick out to me. But uh, for me, it's wherever the best opportunity for myself and my family presents itself. um, I would want to play at, but I would love to finish my career in Berlin. It's a great place and great city. Have you picked up any Germans since you've been there? You've been there for a little while. I have. And each year I try to, you know, start off by learning some German, but it's it's a very tough language for me to learn. It's very difficult. Uh, I pick up little phrases here and there, and you know, I can get by with the basics of good morning and you know hello and things like that but nothing where i can hold a conversation
0: yeah it's a tough one man i, I think i took a year of it when i was in seventh grade in middle school or something <laughs> or a semester and it's so different than every other language like spanish italian you can
1: kind of yeah. go back
0: and forth but german it's its own whole thing
1: for sure for sure it's uh it's, it's, like i said it's very hard language for me to learn when i went to italy i learned a little bit of italian when i was there and you know obviously i um, with Spanish it's similar to both so but German German's a little tougher for me. <laughs> that,
0: that, that's fair. Uh, your upbringing in Seattle coming from where you came from and your journey and your family and everything that you've been through is pretty well documented and, and people can read about it but you obviously moved away from college to go to Louisville and you were able to spend time with your dad there and, and now you're even further away from not only your parents and your upbringing, but also from, from your family being in Europe, how, how did you weigh that decision in terms of having to go all the way now across the pond to, to play professional hoops? I
1: think it was tough. I mean, you know, obviously I'm still close to my family. I still talk to them, but you know, it was, it was just the decision best for myself and my family. Um, you know, once I got married, you know, my father moved down to Louisville. So, you know, he's pretty comfortable there. Uh, my mom already has a job back in Seattle with my brother and sister still living there. Um, thank God for FaceTime, able to, you know, talk to them through that. But, uh, you know, it, it's no different from college. When I was in college, I didn't really get to see my family a lot. So it, you know, it just comes with the job, comes with the occupation. There's some sacrifices you just have to make, especially when you want to, you know, get further and further in your uh career. So it was just one of those things that I get to see them in the summertime. I talk to them when I can, but I just have to make the uh, ultimate, you know, choice for myself and my family.
0: Hey, have you spent time at all? And I think a lot of us have reflected a lot through the pandemic because there hasn't been a lot else to do in terms of like going out and and experiencing much. Have you reflected at all since you've been playing professionally, like where you came from and now all the opportunities you've been able to have and, and all the things you've done?
1: I reflect all the time, you know, where I came from and where I am now um, as a person and as a player. Um, I'm very thankful, you know, for the people in my life who have helped me get to where I am. Um, You know, like I said earlier, you know, being a kid from Seattle, growing up where I am, I never imagined being able to play in Europe. So, or even traveling to see the world. Um, so that's a major thing for me. And, uh, like I said, I'm just very thankful for it all.
0: So let's, uh, let's go to college. We mentioned you went to Louisville and full disclosure. I went to Syracuse was in (laughs) school during that, uh, that freedom hall game. The last one at freedom hall, I already joked with Kyle Keurig that I've never seen anybody make so many threes, uh, that, that he did in that game, uh, at Louisville, walk me through, like First impression of Rick Pitino when he's recruiting you, because obviously he's this iconic figure in basketball. What's your first impression of the guy?
1: So originally, like, I wasn't a really big college fan or basketball fan. I grew up playing football, so I was more football type of guy. But um, you kind of hear these legends about uh, Coach Pitino. You hear that he's in the mob, or you hear <laughs> that he's this, like, mafia boss. Um, but when I got a chance to meet him, uh, you know, he was just the, you know, most straightforward guy. Um, you know, he had his, uh, he carried himself as a professional. Um, you know, he was very straightforward with me when I, when he was recruiting me and, um, you know, you just got this sense that he was, uh, you know, just a great guy and he's, he's an amazing coach. His track record speaks for itself and, um You know, I wanted to play for him. His son was the one that originally started to recruit me. And uh, I built a really good relationship with him. And, you know, it just, you know, he had some of the same qualities as his father. And you can kind of just see that in their family. So take, because we all see the
0: animation and like the all white suit that he was rocking (laughs) on the sideline. Take me behind the scenes, like the stuff that nobody sees in practice. Like, what's he like?
1: I would just say he's one of the hardest working people um, that I've met. Just like little things like, you know, when I would wake up in the morning, try to get to the gym early before everybody, he would already be running on the treadmill, uh, you know, working out. He always had this thing about being 10% body fat uh, <laughs> and holding his coaches to that, also, uh, close to that also. And, you know, he he always said that, you know, he couldn't tell – he told the coaches you couldn't tell a player to lose weight if you're overweight yourself. And, you know, he kind of lived by that. And so just his work ethic, you know, he spent that hours and hours watching film, studying teams and, uh, you know, how well prepared he was for everything is just something that a lot of people don't see. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately for him and Iona, they're dealing with a lot of COVID breaks and, you know, stoppage, but, I think they will be a a good team uh a team to reckon with in the future
0: yeah I, I mean you can't you can't argue about conditioning when coach is running on the treadmill at like five thirty six in the morning right
1: yeah. uh yeah no for sure i, I and mean, yeah he'll tell you if you wanna you know take him on the treadmill he he will get it there and outrun you for days.
0: You had a chance to play during the very end of what, like, I knew as the Big East, which is still, like, my favorite conference that I think we've ever seen in college basketball, the the Louisville, Syracuse, Pitt, UConn, Big East. How do you remember that league and, like, what was established, especially kind of toward the end of you playing in the, the final year
1: of the Big East? For one, yeah, I I felt like the Big East was the best conference in college basketball. I mean, we had I just saw somebody posted a graphic the other day about it was 11 out of the 16 teams that were invited to the NCAA tournament. Um, And it was just a battle every night. And I also told somebody on Twitter the other day, they were like, you know, from 1 through 16 it was a battle. They were like, no, DePaul wasn't really us. Like, well, DePaul was a tough team to play against um, every time. And didn't matter who you played against. Every team had talent from top to bottom. And, you know, like you said, we played against, you know, Syracuse, Yukon, Pitt, West Virginia, uh, you know, the South Florida, St. John's, um, Seton Hall, all those teams all had great players. And that was one of the things that intrigued me the most about going to the Big East is just about how good the conference was and how the level of competition was I was going to be able to go out there and play against.
0: Who was the rival that, like, you enjoyed playing against the most? Because Louisville, Kentucky, obviously, outside of the conference is its own special thing. Like, who, what rivalry game was the, the biggest for you in your
1: mind? Um, which rivalry game? I mean, for us, it was always, like, you know, Cincinnati, because it's so yep. close. Um, but I, I always remember the battles we had with UConn. You know, because they always had really good guards. Uh, the Notre Dames, because we, for some reason, always went to overtime with them, <laughs> no matter what year it was. Uh, but, yeah, those were some of, like, the, the bigger ones. And, like, Syracuse, because we both ran zone. And, you know, we were both – especially my uh, last year, we were both ranked in top five in the nation at, you know, some point. So, it was – you know we had some good battles, and it's just it was just the big East man it was every night it was
0: yeah, well, and then you go to Madison Square Garden for the tournament, and like to me like there's nothing better, like that Saturday night Big East Championship game at the garden like I, is there anything like it?
1: No, I mean, especially when you have a coach like Rick Pitino who just loves New York and it's gonna hype it up so much it's about it's it's the match of the basketball, <laughs> and you know. It's just pitch black in the, in the stands, and it's just all lights in the court, and it's like it's a big stage. And for us, too, like when we played, for example, Syracuse in the championship, it was, it was a Syracuse home game. It was all Syracuse <laughs> fans, and it was loud, rocking. And, um, you know, I had some uh, good memories playing. I mean, you played well, too. You're back to
0: back, most outstanding player of, the, of that league tournament. What, what was it about, like, the kind of that league tournament that got some of the best out of you?
1: Well, for one, I, we didn't have to practice, so I wasn't tired <laughs> as much. <laughs> but, no, I, I think it was just uh, – I remember my first, my, the first year I won, my junior year when I won um, Most Outstanding Player, I was having a pretty bad year. I was having an up-and-down year. I would not want to say bad, but I was having an up-and-down year. And, you know, Coach Patino pulled me into his office and it was just like, you know, we live in a microwave society and that, you know, if you go out there and play well, no one's going to remember – what you did before and you know I kind of took that to heart went out there um I finally started feeling healthier and you know I started just playing with a lot more confidence my teammates trusted in me um and at that point I already knew like the system everybody and uh just got things rolling and you know we got a chance to finally win it uh that year and then the next year we had the same group of guys everybody a little bit older and um you know, especially with the freshman Montrez who we were able to win it all.
0: Yeah, he was a nice addition to the. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we, we've seen it. He's he's worked out pretty well in the NBA too.
1: For sure, for sure.
0: You you obviously after that 2013 year, like you you lived the dream in terms of basketball college career. You you win the Big East tournament, you make a run to the Final Four in 2012, and then you come back as a senior, you do it again, and this time you you win it all, going out on top. Like, could you have written a better? final end of your your college story
1: no not really you know and it was tough it, it, it's because you know my senior year wasn't all just, just smooth sailings right you know we were number one in the nation then we lost to Syracuse I turned the ball over the Carter Williams got a fast break dunk to win the game then we lose two straight after that so we lost three in a row to you know Syracuse Villanova Georgetown um you know, we go from number one in the nation down to, you know, whatever, and then lose to Notre Dame. And then we get on a a nice run and it just showed that, you know, we battled with adversity, we battled through whatever, and we ended up coming out on top. And it was just, even when we won, it didn't feel like we won just because it's kind of like that, you know, holy grail, you never really are going to find it. you just like, Oh, we actually, we actually did it. We actually won. Like it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty sweet feeling. Like, how long does it take to hit you? <sighs> Not until you get back uh, home with your with your fans that it really, really takes effect. Like, oh, we really won. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned the adversity because I think that's what people
0: sometimes forget. Like, i the the number of times, especially the last couple of times Syracuse has made runs to the Final Four. Like, they have these awful stretches. There's times during the season, as for me as a fan, I go, what is this team doing? And then all of a sudden, they, they find their stride, and it's the right time. Like, when did you guys at Louisville find your stride in that run? Was it the Big East tournament? Was it right before? Was it the NCAAs? Because you guys seem to really find some rhythm in the, in the NCAAs that year, too.
1: I would say right – I would say the Big East tournament is where we kind of found our run just because it was now it was more about playing you know you played every night it wasn't a lot of preparation as far as you know practices and stuff goes we were able to we are we were already prepared and we were already we felt like the best conditioned team in um in college just because we pressed every night we pressed yeah. in practice we pressed in games we pressed in our sleep um <laughs> you know so we felt like we were already the best conditioned team and now we just need to go out there and prove it. And with, with the end of the year stretch, a lot of teams end up, you know, dying off, getting tired. And that's when we made, you know, our strides. Um, so I think that was the, the key for us was just making that run through the Big East tournament and just being the well, most well oiled machine going into the, you know, getting hot at the right time is big. So you
0: ride, you, you win. You guys win the title. You ride that into the draft. Your second round pick, and then you get an opportunity that that rookie year to, to play some with, with the Pistons. Did you have a chance? Because it was limited action, and you're obviously still scrapping and clawing as a second round pick. Did you have a chance to have like a, oh man, like I'm here, I made it
1: moment? Uh, I mean, I, I remember like my first. So in preseason, we got a chance to play the Heat. Um, when they had Ray Allen or Char Lewis, you know, two Seattle Sonic guys that I looked up to when I was a little kid, um, you know, they had LeBron obviously and Dwyane Wade, but you know, those were the two guys that you know I grew up watching. You know, being those two from Seattle, and for those guys to know who I was was kind of like, oh man, this is awesome. And to get a chance to play against them in the NBA was kind of like, all right, you know, this is this is real. This is I'm actually on the court with these guys. So. I would say that was uh, big for me and just being around guys in the locker room like Chauncey Billups, uh, Rodney Stuckey, and Josh Smith, guys like that uh, who's been in the league forever to really get to talk to them, pick their brain, and um, just become good friends with those guys were are pretty good. I
0: think I read an article from back when you were first in the league and you were talking about going back and forth. and What's the – the like wake up call, like when you go from being the travel and the life of being in the NBA to then back down to the D League at the time, the G League now, and the the bus trips and the like, 11 a.m. or noon game on a on a weekday. Like, what's that back and forth like as a player?
1: It wasn't bad, just because it was the fact that I got a chance to play. Uh, so it was it was fun to go down there and actually get a chance to hoop. Because when you're in the NBA, all you really do is get to you know, workout, you don't practice because practice is only an hour long and guys, there's so many games. So you're just working out all day, all day. So to actually get a chance to go out there and play and put it all into a game was, uh, you know, probably the best part of it.
0: Well, there's got to be probably a pressure too, when you get into an NBA game and you're coming off the bench and you don't know how long you're going to be in, like you want to make the most of the like limited minutes, right?
1: For sure. You you know, you try to go out there and try to prove your worth um, however you can. And so you, you, you might get two minutes, you might get 10 minutes, you never know. So you have to go out there and try to make the best of that opportunity.
0: If you could tell yourself back when he was a junior and senior in college, a lesson that you've learned now throughout your pro career from the NBA to now going overseas, like what would you tell the... 18 19 20 year old Peyton Siva
1: stay healthy <laughs> uh, I think that was the biggest part for me and also uh just just continue to you know trust in the work um you know sometimes you might get complacent um something might happen where you don't feel like going to the gym or whatnot but you know as I learned as I got older if you just continue to put in the work you know everything will work out and so that's what i would kind of tell myself about everything You've mentioned your kids a couple of
0: times. Like, what's life like as a as a dad? It probably puts playing basketball in a whole different perspective.
1: I love it. I love uh, being a father. You know, my kids are my world. Um, you know, they, they don't care too much about basketball. So, you know, if I win, lose, or draw, and I come home, you know, they're just happy to see me. I remember my second year here in Berlin, we lost in the championship, and I had like a – a silver medal from, uh, from going to the championship. And my daughter's like, oh, dad, here's your loser medal. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, they, they just have no filter. They just don't have any care in the world. But, you know, they're my girls. I love them. And uh, I wouldn't trade them for the world.
0: That's awesome. And uh, you, they can either go one or two ways. They either think the medal's super cool or they know it's second place. And they're like, why didn't you get first place?
1: <laughs> I mean, they had fun with it. They were <laughs> running around the house with it. They didn't care. So. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, let's finish up. I got a couple of quick hitter questions to have some fun with here uh, at the end, and we'll get you out of here. Um, obviously, people are streaming a lot of shows and stuff. Like, Is, are you, is there any show you're binge-watching, or what's the latest thing you've, you've watched?
1: So, I, I mean, I watch a lot of shows on Netflix. I'm also a big, like, animation guy. So okay. uh, I think the latest show that my wife and I watch uh, – it was some apple original I can't really think of the name right now it was about like this this person uh this family that was living with like a baby but they it was a doll it was weird i forget the name of it uh we watched the crown on okay. netflix uh which i don't know why i watched it but it just it just grabs your attention and you just kind of like want to know what's going on um and then we're just like a big movie people we started watching the Godzilla and Kong trilogy to get ready for King Kong versus uh, Godzilla. Okay, my, nice. My wife, never, my wife never seen it, so that's kind of what we've been doing.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's Everybody has their own, like, big why. I think people have, like, stretched outside of their normal comfort zone when it comes to shows because, like, you run through a bunch of other stuff. You're like, I need something new to watch.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, with, you know, with my wife, we watch whatever we can um, show-wise on Netflix. It's usually... A lot of uh, cartoons on uh, can, on our TV with our our kids with Disney Plus and everything. So when we do get a chance to finally watch something, you know, we try to watch a movie or something of like that nature. All right, back to hoops.
0: If there was one game in your career you could go back and replay, which game would it
1: be? Hmm. I can go back and replay one game.
0: For good or bad, like it, you either enjoyed a lot, like how it turned out
1: now you played or you... Oh, just- well, if that's case, I mean, the championship game uh, <laughs> will be like the one game that was just like, you know, full adrenaline ride throughout the whole game. Uh, but I would say if I could go back and play a bad game, um, I would say probably my junior year uh, in the Big East Championship... When we know my sophomore year, when we lost UConn in the Big E Championship, was one of the, the tougher losses that we faced because just because we were playing well, we kind of was going through, uh, you know, a couple guys we got hurt, uh, and it was just a, a hell of a game by UConn. I mean, they've made a hell of a run that year, and I would say one of those party games.
0: All right, yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, and uh, finally, if you could take one skill from one other player in the world, to make it your own, what would it be?
1: Skill-wise, I would say probably Steph's jump shot. That's
0: that's the gimme. It's like, what I mean, what else do you need? Because you take that and put it with anything else that you do, and, like, you're good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, if – because you wouldn't say, like – I can't say I want to take LeBron's athleticism because <laughs> it's not a skill. Like, right. All right. And like, I like, like
0: LeBron's I'm, size. Like, I think everybody would like that.
1: Well, for sure. If, if, that was, if, if I can take that, then I would definitely take, like, Kevin Durant's size, and yeah. I, will, I will go with that. But if I would take a skill set, I would probably take, you know, Steph Curry's shot.
0: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good one. I, th- dude, I think it was uh, uh, Phil Pressy. I, I spoke to last week or a couple weeks ago, and that, that was his g- gimme. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're probably right.
1: Yeah, I mean for me as a player, like I feel like I can do everything pretty well if I can take just, you know, sh- shooting that well to another level, I mean, I would take that. Well, uh hey Peyton, we appreciate
0: the time. Uh you guys are playing pretty well over there in Germany, so we're uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys the rest of the way and uh, hopefully we can catch up sometime again soon.
1: I appreciate it, man. Nice seeing you.